Uh, I think o o o over a period of two weekends and in between, uh, we, we would have ministered to about 850 congregation, people in congregations and about 475 to 500 church leaders and pastors. So uh, that was an experience of grace. And I think uh, one observation I, I seem to have uh, visiting uh, Eastern countries is uh, uh, their understanding of grace sometimes is, 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 is tainted by culture rather than scripture. And uh, I, I've heard a lot of preaching on grace, but sometimes uh, dealing at, at, a, at a level with leadership as we do, uh, I, I can sometimes uh, sense a lack of application. And uh, that's where we can sometimes go wrong. In the book of John chapter one, verse 14 and 17, verse 14 says that Jesus was full of grace. And uh, you know how to tell whether you are leaning to the grace side or the law side? When the word of God is preached, you will begin to question the validity of the word. One, one, somebody I know who was a great man of God, he, he, he used to pray this prayer. He said, Lord, when I sit under your word, let your word judge me rather than me judge the word. And, and that's something that I've learned to try to apply to my life. But we remember that we will never get the balance of word works, faith on one hand and, and grace on the other hand completely right because only Jesus was perfect. John chapter one, verse 17 says, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. Okay. And uh, many of us struggle with that tension of legalism on one hand, because there's got to be a measure of order in the house of God. We don't have the freedom of the wild ass here as one pastor used to say. On the one hand, we have the law, on the other hand, we have the grace, and all of us, without exception, will, will, will tend to lean sometimes this way or that way, and it's a hard balance. I know you, because I pastored you, and uh, I know myself. And, and sometimes when, when there's a situation or a context that, that necessitates grace, it's hard to find the balance. Because uh, when somebody falls and fails and reaches out to God for grace, we can sometimes be a bit judgmental. When somebody falls off a cliff, falls into the water and is drowning, sometimes some of us who are Christians can hold his head down and say, I'll keep you under until you learn better. I know none of you are like that, only the people I met in Sri Lanka. So for, for me, and I'm using my, my life as an example, how, how do we handle the situation? 
I have now established a, a ministry in, in, in Sri Lanka that will help pastors who have tripped and fallen and are trying to find their way back. You know, uh, uh, when people fail and fall short of the grace of God, we forget that we were like them too, but for the grace of God. You know, the Bible says, all of you have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. That's a conclusive statement. Uh, there's no argument on that. There's no argument because that's God's final word. Amen? Not too many amens. That's an indication that I'm on the right track. And I, I, I know which one of you are legalistic and which one of you have grace. I know because I know you. Then I know myself. How many of you are feeling uncomfortable this morning? Hallelujah. The new people won't feel anything because they're just visiting. Right, if, if, if you're beginning to feel uncomfortable, uh, that's an indication that you could be leaning to law and forget that you were saved by the grace of God. Some of us who have come from the depths of misery and sin and we have been uplifted by God's grace, we have a deep appreciation of grace. Jesus said the, the, the woman, you know, uh, she loves much. And, and when you have been loved by God, in spite of who you were and what you have done in the past, then you have a deep understanding of grace, and only then you can dispense that grace to others. Otherwise, we become like the Pharisees and scribes. Uh, I would recommend that, that some of you uh, just do a Google of how to recognize a Pharisee. Because if you Google on how to recognize a Pharisee, you might realize, hey, that's me. That's me. And from time to time, God has to do a spiritual check on us. Grace is God's unmerited favor that is given freely. To people who are fallen, broken, and in need of restoration. You know, we learned that little kids, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. But God can. And, and, and to some of us who are legalistic, grace doesn't make sense. Because you did wrong. Therefore, you must pay the penalty. The priest and the Levite were ministers in the temple in Luke 15. They were like some of us who do ministry here Sunday morning. We show up on time because, you know, it's the law. Right? <laughs> we all guilty from time to time. But when the priest and the Levites saw a fallen man by the side of the road, they just looked and walked the other side. And that's what probably many of us do Monday to Saturday. But when we come to church on Sunday morning, we get all holy and sanctimonious and forget who we are, but for the grace of God. And Jesus illustrates the story by talking about a Samaritan. That was the ultimate insult to Jewish people. But Jesus wasn't afraid. 
of taking on people who were sanctimonious and who felt that they were righteous because they kept the law to its entirety. By the way, the Sabbath is on Saturday, not on Sunday. Some Christians struggle with that. I heard of a couple in a big, large church in Colombo who had been watching some stuff on, on social media or whatever. And they went to the pastor of the church and said, you know, what's the real name of Jesus? So that poor guy, you know, he said, Yeshua. He said, and in church, why don't we call him Yeshua? And they stopped going to church because they were probably listening to the, the group who are called the Messianic Jews who think they are more spiritual than other Christians. So, so sometimes there's a danger that because we do everything to perfection, that we forget we are saved by grace and not by works, lest anyone should boast. The Pharisees and scribes were like some of us, they were good guys. You know, there are some Christians who only read the King James Version of the Bible because it's only the authorized version. And they say the NIV is what we call non-inspired version. Wow. This rabbi, they put it under their pillow at night. By the way, you don't need to put your Bible under your pillow to get some sleep. Just knock off your television 45 minutes before so your mind can set. But there are people who do that. There could be somebody here this morning. I don't know. Any of you keep your Bible under your pillow? Don't raise your hand up. I can, I can look at you and tell who you are. Because, you know, hopefully there is some impartation of spirituality. And so, you know what happens is we strive for perfection. We strive to understand God's grace. And I know because I've been there 10 years of my Christian life. I remember when I was in Singapore at some meeting and there, there was a, a preacher called Dr. Don Treadway and he would, uh, every, uh, uh, every, alt every altar call, I would be the first one up, you know, because uh, I just felt I had to keep going to the, the laundry van every morning, evening, and night to get rid of all the stuff that had happened in my past. And, and, and then, so I would be the first up the line. And then evening, I would be up the line for the same thing. Because when you, are, when you sin, you feel shame. And you can put up a good front, but inside you know there's some stuff in there that, that's lingering and, and God wants you to get rid of it. And, and you just feel so imperfect. And then I remember the second or third day, I was up in the line there and, and he came up there and he passed me. He, he just moved past me and went and prayed, at next one, next one, next one. I'm standing there and, and I got really upset. And then I, I, I felt a, a, a very gentle, tender voice tell me, why are you seeking forgiveness for sin I have already forgiven? That's grace. That's grace. So 
The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. The Bible says in Romans, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus is called friend of sinners. And the question you ask is, why is it that sinful people were attracted to him? Why is it? Why is it that sinful people were attracted to him? And not only were they attracted to him, they followed him. Because he offered them a viable alternative to their sinful lifestyle. That's the gospel. The Christian faith stands unique in that respect. In Eastern religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, there is the karmic law that operates. What was is because, what is is because of what was and what will be because of what you do in this life. So according to the law of karmic continuity, you, you can't change things in your life at, at this point in time. But you generate good and you do good works so that hopefully in the next life, it'll change. But in the Christian faith, God loves you in spite of the fact that you are a sinner and wants to offer you the grace alternative so that you can embrace that grace, receive forgiveness, and walk not just into the newness of a spiritual life, but into destiny and purpose. And when you look at the guys in the Bible and some of the gals in the Bible, somehow other ladies seem to think that only men sinned in the Bible. I can give you a few names of ladies who did. So let's balance that out also. Right? The woman in John chapter 4, she had five husbands. Some of you struggled with the one you have. I don't know how she managed to work through all five. So, so, so Jesus didn't go to her walking 70 miles or whatever and, and, and give her a lesson on how to hold on to your husband. Like you're embracing a banana tree. I visualized that yesterday when I couldn't sleep in the night. He just offered her a viable alternative to a sinful life because she was living with somebody and she was Samaritan. She didn't know anything better. She wasn't Jew. He didn't give her four counseling lessons to help her in marriage. He just said, you come to the well to drink water, but you're still thirsty. But the water I give you, and there's a different word used there, will spring out from within you as a well to eternal life. And a lot of you don't understand. The story ends there as far as the writer is concerned. But this woman 
not only did she go to her village and share with her Samaritan friends the good news of the gospel, she was martyred according to Christian tradition because she refused to bow to Nero. Wow. But it all started with the willingness of one man called Jesus to go out of his way to present a message of grace to a woman who needed to hear it. You see, that's the problem the modern church has today. We are so spiritual that our ears touch each other. We are so judgmental and so condemning of fallen people until we need grace ourselves. And I have found this at ministry levels. So if that is how it is at the top, you can imagine how it flows down to the bottom. On the cross, as Jesus hung were two thieves dying because they were paying the penalty for what they had done. And one responded to Jesus. That's what Good Friday is all about. Good Friday is not about keeping the booze aside because it's Good Friday. You have a drink on Saturday then and you drink double because you missed out on the Friday. Good Friday is also about a man who was dying for the consequence of his failures, but who recognized in the man who was on the cross in the middle of them was someone more than just an ordinary person. And he said, remember me in paradise. And Jesus responds, today, today you will be with me. Salvation is a today experience. And in order to give salvation or offer grace to others, we got to come to a meaningful understanding of how grace has impacted our lives. There I go but for the grace of God. There I go. And here's another interesting truth about the guy on the, uh, 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 the dying thief. He didn't pray the sinner's prayer. You know, some churches say, you're going to pray the sinner's prayer because unless you pray the sinner's prayer, you're not really saved. Who are you to judge? Who are you to judge? He didn't tithe. It shocks us. But that's grace. The grace of God was offered freely to everyone, to both thieves, but only one responded. Why did people follow Jesus and keep them there? Because he embodied grace as the ultimate expression of sacrifice. That's what the cross is about. At the most crucial point in his life, 
when he is struggling with the pain of a crucifixion, which history tells us was the most painful of all human experiences. He's offering grace to a fallen sinner. Grace is a gift, Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, because it reflects the character and nature of God. And it is given to whomever God chooses. God offers his grace to everybody, but some resist and some accept. Next thing I understood about grace is that it has transformative power. Paul says, I am who I am by the grace of God. Galatians 1 verse 13, you know, I am who I am by the grace of God. Paul persecuted the church. Paul was responsible for the death of a young man who was a follower of Christ. And Paul understood that he would always struggle with the tension of what he did in the past. But now, because he had an apostolic mantle on his life, he could not allow his past to determine and define him as a person. He said, I am who I am by the grace of God. And that's what it is about your life. You can't turn back the clock for the things you have done. And God doesn't expect you to. The Bible says in Isaiah, your sins I remember no more. Now God does not have the capacity to forget because he's God. But God doesn't keep an account. You know, sometimes when a husband and wife have an argument or, 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 you know, a misunderstanding or a bit of a conflict and then they do arm wrestles, you know, none of you wanted those who are in Sri Lanka. Okay, you guys have all got everything worked out. Uh, we, we, we just refer to something in the past, right? Uh, yeah, and so then we go slinging mud, mud at each other. God doesn't work like that. Thank God for that. He said, your sins, I, I remember no more. And if I don't, why do you? What, what's stopping you from your destiny and purpose? The grace of God covers all sin. And the woman at the well understood this more clearly because she was Samaritan. She was a, a woman who was marginalized by the Jewish people. She was marginalized by her own community. That's why she went to the well alone. And when she received that truth from the master himself, her life was transformed. Her thinking was transformed. And not only that, God gave her a destiny and purpose far beyond what she understood at that point in time. So number three, God's grace gives us enabling power. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. Paul, Paul says, he, he, he's not being prideful, but he says, by the grace of God, I worked harder than all these other guys. Wow. Isn't that? You should be humble. He's not humble. He's being realistic. 
He's being realistic. He said, by the grace of God, I worked harder than the other eleven. You don't hear too much about the others. But you certainly hear about Paul because he worked harder than the eleven. And he didn't apologize for it because you're talking to the Corinthian church where some of them thought he was losing his marbles. Hallelujah. So I worked harder by the grace of God, but not me, but the grace of God. So, so here's the thing. You know, some of you, when we ask you to do something in the church, you say, oh, you know, I don't have the time. You have all the time, you just don't know how to manage it. Right? You sit in front of a television screen minimum one hour a day. How I only go half an hour? Yeah, that's still half an hour. And then she don't have the time. But when you make a commitment to follow Christ, as Paul did, because he understood the depths of the grace of God, he said, I am willing to work harder than the others. Because God's grace comes upon me. Somebody told me this morning, you look fresh. I said, what do you think I am? I, 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 I have more energy today than I had the last 20 days. I look fresh. You know why I put whitening cream? <laughs> That's a magic secret. By the way, hi. Good to see you. <laughs> that, you know, I was in the Philippines. I'll tell you the story for some of you. I was in the Philippines and, and, and there are three uh, old ladies, in the elderly ladies here. Here we don't say old, we say elderly. It's the same thing. Look who's talking. Uh, do, re, mi, they are called. Three sisters. One, two, three. Won't go there. Right. And, and so they were in the service and they, they came after the service and, and they always, they, they are led by the spirit here, led by the spirit. They go to every church, uh, you know. That's why they're called Do, re, mi. And they said, Pastor, uh, you were like Moses on the mountain. Nobody's ever told me that before. You know, with the whale, I said, Sister, I hate to disappoint you, but I went down to the Sari Sari shop, 175 peso, bought some whitening cream. <laughs> it works. <laughs> because the lady who told me that this morning, she doesn't know my secret. Now I've let it out. By the way, by the way, only I use it, not her, okay? <laughs> Just in case you get all mixed up. So, so, so the grace of God is a gift, number one. Grace of God has transformative power to take a broken life and use it. Paul says, I can't turn back the clock. True, I was responsible for the murder of Stephen. Not the guy here, but the guy there. Okay, I can't, I can't. But, but by the grace of God, I, I still have a purpose and a destiny, and I'm going to fulfill it. So what's stopping you? You know what's stopping you? You. What's stopping you is you. Be because somehow or other, your mind could have become the battlefield. Where you say, you know, you know, I, I, I pull a fag. I know, I, I, I know that some of you pull a fag. I know because I can get this medal. I got that instinct. It's all right. The only problem when you go up there, no fags. 
I have no problem with you having a fag. That might sound audacious to legalists, but we are saved by the grace of God. And, and if you're down and out and need some facts, come and see me, I'll get you a couple. <laughs> wow, am I upsetting people this morning? That's what Jesus did. See beyond the fag. There are some of us who carry garbage inside our hearts and life, the jealousy, the bitterness, the, the inner resentments and the comparisons. Fathers, gossip is a big sin in the Bible. By the way, we preach less on that. You know, Pastor is smoking a fag. How are you going to join him? God tests our ability to express grace to people. I used to smoke for about six months after I became a Christian. I was baptizing the Holy Spirit, cigarettes and all. Wow. And I used to go after, we finish, we are in the Tamil service, we are in the single service, and then 12 o'clock we go visiting people. And, and then I carry a pack of 4S in, in my pocket, because 4S was cheap, 8 cents. You know, I'm a bit of a jeepskate. So I, I, I would tell the guy whom I go with, excuse me, I'm going to go to the market and just have a cup of tea. And, and he knows I'm going for a fag, not a cup of tea. And then he just allowed this to go on for two months or something. And one day he called me. He said, look, I know you're going there for a fag. Because after you, after you come out from there, you're chewing gum. If you went to drink tea, you won't be chewing gum. You're chewing gum to get the smell off. Come on, just give it up. God can touch your life. And he prayed with me and the fags were gone. When we go up to heaven, God's put aside no smoking here. Right? Smoking only down there. <laughs> and real smoke. <laughs> Enabling power. Law exposes human failure and limitations. Grace covers it up. Grace covers it up. And in the ultimate analysis, people don't remember all our great sermons. They remember acts of grace in their moment of brokenness. That's why people follow Jesus. They follow Jesus because they, they saw in this man who claimed to be the Messiah, the promised one, the fullness of grace. I'm reminded of the woman caught in adultery. She was caught in adultery and the Pharisees, God bless their souls. They brought this woman to Jesus because they were testing him. And then Jesus wrote something on the ground. We don't know what it was, a lot of assumptions, but if the Bible has chosen to keep it silent, let's keep it silent. He wrote something. And then they all went away. They took their Torah and went away. And then he told the woman, he said, who condemns you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So grace is not a license to sin. No, no. That is taking grace to extremity theologically. 
and doctrinally. He said, go and sin no more. What I've discovered is when I understand and receive God's grace into my life, the power of sin gets loosened one step at a time. And suddenly you realize, hey, this thing is gone. I'm free. Jesus said, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. So law exposes failure. But grace offers an alternative. And this woman walked in the freedom of a new life. So grace sanctifies. The word sanctify in the Bible comes from a, a, a word which means set apart. Sanctification, hegiasmos, means set apart. When you are saved by the grace of God, you are set apart as a vessel in the house of God. Wow. So you're set apart. And you're set apart for his use. You're not saved just to experience the joy of salvation. You have an expect, God has an expectation that you take that grace and give it to somebody who's just like you. During my time over there, I, I, I met intentionally a, a couple of uh, leaders who have had a fall, a toss, you call it whatever you want, and, and, and you know, they're, they're struggling with the body of Christ, understanding grace, and, and that, that, that's common in Asian countries, nothing new. Uh, that's something we, we don't have too much here because we have a deep understanding of truth rather than culture. And they said, are you really coming to see me? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. And I sat together with, with, with families and I said, look, the grace of God covers sin and you've got to learn to appreciate and embrace grace. There might be a consequence and I'm not here to sit in judgment on the consequence. I'm not God. But one thing I, have to, I can tell you is this, that there is life after a fall. Now, Old Testament, we say, is law. It's law, you know. New Testament is love. Yeah, yeah, I have guys. Uh, we are love. You can't do anything for the sake of love. In the Old Testament, it's all law. But... I find event after event of grace, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. In the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, when the man and woman fell, God came looking for them. Now, you know, it's not as if God didn't know where they were. He said, where art thou, Adam? God was looking for an expression of repentance so that he can offer forgiveness. And he came and he took an animal and he, he Killed the animal and took the coats and he covered them. That's the first expression of grace in the book of Genesis, which is the book of beginnings. Every doctrine in the Bible finds its origin in Genesis. David, the great man of God. Wow. The things he did. You know, I always, uh, David had so many wives that he, he, he couldn't keep track of them. 
And, and, and I just try to imagine in, in, in the culture of the time and in the housing of the day, David, David would probably be walking for, from his palace and, and out in the yard would be a little cute kid with blue eyes playing around, you know, about five, six years old. And David looks at Ahitopal, his, his counsel, and says, I wonder whose kid that is, cute kid. And Ahitopal has to say, yours. Yours. Oh, right. Who's the mother? Uh, you know, look at his story. You, you think your story is bad? Look at his. A child died because of his sin. And then he gets up. He washes himself. He goes into the house of God and he worships. Wow. Because David knew in his humanity how to receive grace and forgiveness and walk past the failure to fulfill his destiny and purpose in God. So now some of you are sitting here and your mind is racing. God is unfair. I can sense it. Your law, you're like the Pharisee. You know the guy who takes his Bible. Your law. And because you find it hard to understand grace, you can't give grace to somebody else who fails. That's where the challenge is. The power of sin is loosened. Progressively speaking, which is called sanctification. And, and, and there are others who say, Lord, I want more of Jesus. How many of you want more of Jesus? You won't put your hands up. You know it's a trick question. You know what I discovered? If you want more of Jesus, ask God to make less of you. Because the less of you will result in more of Jesus. That's a thought, isn't it? So don't just pray, God, I want more of Jesus. <laughs> and then sit in judgment and condemnation of somebody who has failed. Say, God, I want less of me. Because the less of you is within you, the more of Jesus will be operating outside of you. That's why Apostle Paul was a strong, dynamic, vibrant leader. You know, he knew where he was going. He knew what he was called to. Yeah, no namby-pamby, kasma, milkro type of leader. He said, I die daily. Because in order to see the more of Jesus in him, he needed to die daily. So grace enables us to die daily. It's the grace of God. And, and, and suddenly you begin to realize, hey, I'm not the person I was 10 years ago. Grace is empowering. Grace is empowering. God gave David grace. God gave Noah grace. God gave Samson grace. God gave the woman at the well grace. God gave Rahab the harlot grace. Wow. God gave Bathsheba grace. How do you like that? 
You know who Bathsheba was? We all know, huh? She's the guy who went to the palace to see the king. She didn't have to go. But David called her and she went. She was an adulteress. But you know something? In Matthew chapter 1, out of her line, the Messiah comes. You know, some of us, we are, we are embarrassed about our family trees. In Asian culture, we have family tree, you know, the family tree, and the family tree, and the family tree. And then if, if you had somebody like Bathsheba on your family tree, you try to wipe that out. Jesus didn't. Some, of, some people have family trees that are like banyan trees all over the place. But Jesus intentionally put that there. Read Gen uh, Matthew chapter 1 and look at the genealogy of Christ and you are in for some major surprises. Rahab the harlot is there. It doesn't get as worse as that. You know, child, we, we don't talk about her, no? That, that my great-grand-auntie, you know, know what she did, so we don't talk about her, so we wiped it out. Jesus didn't. Uh, he, he, he's not embarrassed about your failure. Your shame and mine don't embarrass him because he already knew before we were born what we were going to do. But he also knew that when he gave us the alternative of grace, we are going to respond to it. Why is it that the majority of Christians find forgiveness to others difficult? Christians can carry bitterness for a long time. I've sometimes seen far more grace in non-Christians than I've seen in Christians, unfortunately. And they have long memories. Because I think we, we, we haven't come to an understanding of what grace is in our lives. Because sometimes in the good old days, when we came from some mainline background, we used to say 10 rosaries. You know, because we say 10 rosaries, I feel much cleaner. I used to say 15. When I have to go for confession once a month to the priest at St. Peter's College, he gives me 15 rosaries. Oh, my gosh. And then when I go halfway through and I'm back again and he look, peep through that thing and say, you're back again? Father, forgive me for we know not what we do, you know. So, so, so we, we, we find this, this, we find the rosaries therapeutic. Therapeutic. Because some other, oh God, if I say 15, you've forgiven me. If I say 20, I'm all clean. And Jesus says, drink of the water. Once you have that drink, bro, you don't want nothing else. When you have received Matthew 10 verse 8 says, freely, you can give freely. So in conclusion, the enemy of our souls tries to hold us back from the impact you and I, God wants us to have because of the grace of God. Your life is designed for impact in spite of your failures. And when you come to an understanding of that truth, boy, you can give the kingdom of God your best shot.
That's what it is. That's what it is. Your sin, I remember no more. This is a finality. You can walk past it and still make something of your life. That woman, five, I, I, I have a question to ask her when I go up here. How did you manage that? Wow. Wow. The woman with the alabaster box broke it at his feet because she knew in her brokenness she brought him worship that no Pharisee or scribe could bring. That's the difference. And you know something. The more broken you are, the more acceptable your worship is to God. Because you have a deep understanding of what forgiveness is from the cross. Whosoever much is forgiven comes the responsibility to take your grace and offer it to others. Then you can be gracious. Then you can be forgiving. Then you can tell somebody, it's okay. It's okay. I understand. I understand. I love you anyway. That's the message that people are looking to hear. That's the message that Jesus offered a needy world. And that's the message that is the cornerstone of the gospel. The gospel is only good news because God loves sinners. And that includes me. <laughs>